0: It's the Tom Bernard Show, sitting in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Molina.
1: And Doug Sprinthal.
0: Well, we're supposed to be up to full complement here with a bunch of people. We'll see who just rolls in during the remainder of today's show. I heard they're sl- nobody wants to come in when the it's slumming. Like, it's like or- the re-
1: Rolling Stones recording <laughs> Exile on Main Street. Exactly. I'll be there by Thursday ish.
0: We got a lot of great uh, stories lined up for you. Plus Scott Hamilton stopping by the show in a little bit, right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael
2: Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt. Then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one. of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people
3: have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact
2: you? At uh, e- either through our website which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant bradshaw and brian doug sprinthal
0: live in studio with me from walzer.com what's going on doug
1: well uh cool stuff is happening dave actually the auto show starts this saturday if you're in the market for a new car in the twin cities this is a great time the reason for that is the manufacturers pile on extra discounts for the auto show and the dealers do as well uh, if you want to see the auto show deals, just go to walls.com. You can look them up. But I've got something even more fun to talk about. Ooh. We, are, we did this a couple of years ago, and it was a blast. We're going to have a contest, and there will be five winners. We're going to give away five pairs of tickets to the auto show. We'll get them to you uh, for the final weekend. What I want you to do is record a Walzer commercial and send it to me at Doug at We will play some of them on the air, both on the podcast and on the morning show. Last time it was really, really funny. We had some great submissions. The guy that won it, actually, it was a trip to Vegas. He's uh, become a friend. He's a professional musician, and it was really a great product. He did it in the studio. But if you just want to record it on your cell phone, whatever you want to do, crazy funny, please don't swear because we want to play him on the F and air. Uh, send them to Doug at Walzer.com, and we'll have a little fun with it.
0: Are there time constraints on it? Do you want a 30-second, yeah, one a minute? Yeah,
1: 30-second or a minute. That's fine. I mean, we're not, we're not, you're probably not going to win a Cleo.
0: Um, not but, with that attitude, you're not. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, it blew up. All right, check it out. That's Walzer.com. the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Tom. He'll be back with us on Monday in studio. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot more people eventually rolling in. Mike Brody's supposed to stop by at some point. Lenick will be here. Alex might. I think Catherine and Andy have uh, the day off. They'll be back with us tomorrow. Uh, We've got Scott Hamilton joining us here in a little bit. Did you watch much of the Olympics this year, Doug? Uh,
1: You know, I I watched a lot of women's downhill, which was cool. I was forced to watch some of the figure skating because I'm married to a girl. Um, <laughs> you know how that
0: works. I do. I do.
1: You're married to a girl, too. Did you and watch she was a figure
0: skater. skater? Oh, you're, so you're no, screwed. I did not. I was, How I did you was, escape that? You know, it, the, the thing is, in all truthfulness, I do so much work behind the scenes for my show and filling in on this show and coast-to-coast coast AM and doing, like, I'm researching and reading and doing things all day long, yeah. and then I, when I would remember, the good stuff was gone. Yeah. So, And I wonder if that's having an effect and an impact. Have you seen, uh, what are the ratings for the Olympics? Are uh, people even watching anymore? Yeah, they
1: were pretty good, actually. They really? were higher than the Oscars. The only reason I know that is everybody's going, oh, it's only 25 million people watch the Oscars. I'm like, you yeah, know, that's how many people Jeez. voted for Trump, and that was a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's probably about 24 million people too many watching the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Did you watch the Oscars this I, year? I did watch some of it.
1: I watched... uh I, I, I was a big, I'm a big Gary Old, Oldham fan, and yeah. I was hoping he'd win, and I thought he was cool. Francis was, I, did you see her as acceptance? I did. Piece? We
0: tuned in right at the end. I caught those three. Man. So I caught the best actor, best actress, and then the uh, best film of the year.
1: I don't know what she was on, but I, she was out there. She's yeah. always been a little wiggy anyway. I love watching her in, on the big screen. but
0: You know, I think it was, first of all. She obviously had rehearsed and planned something. Yeah. And maybe when you're planning something that big, there's that adrenaline rush of oh crap, now it's my turn, I've got to do this. So I don't know if that was kind of what she was going through. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Yeah. It was great to watch. It was like remember Roberto Benigni a few years ago. Yeah like a yeah. f- few years ago, probably like fifteen years, 15 ago, years ago. Where he's walking <laughs> on the chairs and doing all this. I love when people get excited about what they're doing there. And if you know I know a lot of people don't like to hear the celebrities with their causes and what's going on, but it's part of the deal. She you know. did it. I thought it in a classy yeah. way, you know, and and bringing up the attention of just who's involved and things we need to remember. So I'm all for it. Kimmel
1: did get off a pretty good line about Harvey Weinstein. The the only other guy that's getting kicked out <laughs> got it for sharing a VHS with his neighbor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is. uh, Yeah, it was a weird year. You knew it was going to be weird, though, right? This this award season is going to be tainted.
1: Yep. Well, and they have. You know, there's been more reaction to the Oscars in the last five years. I mean, they've always been political. Most actors are lefties. Not all of them, but probably eighty percent. That's just sort of the nature of the the occupation.
0: So, do you Um, think there was, you know, there was some diversity, obviously, in what they were doing this year? Yep. And I think that's important. I was really kind of surprised to see Get Out and The Shape of Water, even in the running for these kind of movies.
1: I have not seen The Shape of Water. I don't. It doesn't seem to have much draw for me. But I, I don't know. I was surprised. See it, just because I won. like
0: monster movies, I don't. Yeah. What a shocker! But uh, I also like good movies that are just well done. And Del Toro is really. Had an interesting perspective on life yeah, no, so I'm, I'm interested in checking that
1: highly out. stylized and i'm sure it's visually beautiful i just the story from what i knew didn't really resonate with me personally so i only watched a few movies in theaters i did see darkest hour and oddly enough i saw the other version of it that they called dunkirk it's like <laughs> the other version of it <laughs> well it's really the same right. week in in british history but it's fascinating and gary oldman i mean he's just Everything that I watch him in, and he's not in a lot. it's just, and in, he's incredible. His he did a picture years ago called Immortal Beloved*. It's about Beethoven. Oh right, I love that. And movie. he was just, even if you're not a classical music no. fan, it, it's really, when he does the, is conducting the Ninth Symphony at the end of the movie. And he imagines himself as a six-year-old boy running through the forest in Germany at
0: night. It's like, ah,
1: oh, I finally get Beethoven. This is right. really cool. So. Well, and
0: the, it, was there any scene more tragic than when he's hammering on the piano and he's got his head down trying yeah. to pick up that vibration so he can hear? And you he just realize the raw power of what he was creating. That, that, how does that not drive you mad? Yeah. And, and Oldman did such a great job yeah. of portraying the character. But he's—I can't think of a movie except for maybe the. Uh, the Sixth Element or whatever the hell yeah, it was called. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't care for that movie. Uh, but everything else I've seen him in, I think he's pretty much, He know, was
1: in, uh, he had a, it was, it was a supporting part in a movie, and I can't remember the woman's name. She was running for the uh, presidency of the United States. This is probably about 2000. Um, and he played an a Ohio Republican senator, and he was just brutal. He was really good.
0: I, my first introduction to him was Leon the Professional. Which uh, was Jean-Luc Besson or whatever uh, Or Luc Besson, I want to keep adding the Jean to it But Luc Besson movie And that was a great bit He plays the the bad guy And he really, he he does well with those kind of roles too But he does it without getting pigeonholed Which is interesting too But he brings an interesting dynamic to the way he plays those roles, and in some cases where I think it's really good, is I loved Immortal Beloved. Totally forgot that that was him. It's yeah. one of those kind of characters where he's so good at what he's doing, you, you don't forget, even see him. Yeah, right. You, you go see Will Ferrell, Will Farrell, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> Matthew Modine. <laughs> Not a playing, lot of range. They're playing themselves. Oh, right? the
1: camera's on. Okay. Well, just why don't we just use what I just said when I thought it wasn't
0: exactly? So that's that's it. But Oldman, he can really kind of blend in. Wasn't yeah. he Sid Vicious too? And yeah, Sid I and haven't. Nancy? I've
1: never seen Sid and Nancy, and I, I've been meaning to watch that sometime
0: yeah i just i've been on a kick of listening to biographies lately and uh, i'm trying it was oh robert crane Mm -hmm. who uh they really loved his portrayal of um sid vicious Yep. and i guess he ended up meeting uh Gary Oldman on a train somewhere, really, and they ended up becoming friends, and we're going to create this new production deal, and da-da-da-da-da, and then they never spoke again. Huh. So it's just kind of one of those weird moments where lives intersect, and there's an interesting story, and then it veers off.
1: Well, we were doing a little Gary Oldman. We don't mean to turn this into the Gary Oldman hour, but he's been married five times.
0: Why are you looking at me? I've well, only I've, been married three, Doug. Back off.
1: Three for me, too, <laughs> sister.
0: So we're behind <laughs> the as Sorry, honey. We're behind the curve here. One of them was Uma Thurman, believe it or not. That's right. That's what I heard yesterday when Tom was talking about it. Yeah, that's uh, great. Great actor. You got to appreciate it. But then again, you know, I know there's been a lot of controversy since that, right? yeah. <laughs> and, and talking about it. It's kind of like in the vein of Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Whether you like him or hate him, he's a great actor. Yep. But now it's kind of you know tainted that.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're going to be seeing Kevin on the tube in the near future. No,
0: no, that's going to take a while to. Uh, I don't know. Do you think there's a... Do you think there's... People in America love a good redemption story. When you look at... I I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. The guy hit rock bottom, did a lot of stupid things. People, what I love the story where they came home and found a a a higher-than-a-kite-and-drunk-passed-out Robert Downey Jr. in their kid's bed, (laughs) sleeping.
1: I think the tough thing that Spacey's going to have to overcome is the way he tried to explain it by... Coming out of the closet. I mean, that was completely tone deaf. Well, yes, it happened, and uh, it's because I'm gay. It's like, well, wait a minute. You just said that all gay people are child molesters. That that, that's not going to play very well. You know, he's a smart guy. You'd think that would have like. Or he plays a a lot of smart
0: guys. I don't know that he truly is a smart guy. That could be the aspect of it. But you know, you great
1: acting then if he's not smart.
0: You have to put yourself in that position of you know. And a lot of people have taken the stance of he's trying to deflect, and and now if he uses the I'm coming out card, I don't know that that's necessarily what he was doing. And again, all we can do is guesswork behind the scenes. But my thought was, he better get ahead of the next part of the story, which is going to be, are you gay? So I kind of feel like he was painted in a... There was a no-win situation here. And maybe the redemption for guys like Spacey won't happen like they did for Downey, because... Downey's crimes against humanity were against himself. That's right. They were drug and alcohol related. Yep. Um, Spacey and and a lot of these guys were child molesters, taking it out on for other a better people. Word. Right. So they, they were they were doing that. Uh, well, I don't, has anybody else underage come forward on Spacey, or is it the one case? Not that that makes it okay, but he was you know, younger. I don't the, know. I the was younger. Not
1: that I heard another one about some woman talking about him molesting her son in Nantucket or something like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a comeback for those It's hard to keep up with all these, yeah. However, with that said, uh, you know, I love horror movies. Mm -hmm. The Jeepers Creepers franchise, I really liked I thought the first two were really kind of an interesting aspect, and then all of a sudden I started to read why. I was like, what's taken so long between these movies? And I read about the director. I guess he was busted, did his time for molestation. Oh, really? Yeah. They caught him with a young boy, I think very young, like around 10 years old, oh, sodomizing him. And uh, it ended up, uh, he did his time. So then, But then he's slowly working his way back into the mainstream. Now, his new movie just went straight to Netflix, Creepers 3.
1: Oh, so he didn't have to start out doing car commercials?
0: No, not yet. <laughs> he didn't go that far but, down. But if they want to, they can send it in to Doug <laughs> at Walzer. And right? Right? get some free tickets to the auto That's show. That's right. So, uh, you know, he he's trying to come out. And, but at what point do you draw the line? Okay, in that case, that guy... Was busted, caught, and put away, and did jail time for it. Came back. If Hollywood is willing to give him a job, is it okay to look at? Here's somebody that did their time for this crime, as opposed to somebody like Spacey, who is basically skated on his celebrity for thirty years yeah. because nobody was going to push that envelope.
1: Now, is there a difference between behind the camera and in front, though? I don't know the answer to that because well, you would the, think the as answer, a director, the answer you're is in a Roman, power play. Yeah, position. then the answer might be Roman Polanski. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's another weird case. Anyway, I know people are tired of us lamenting on the Hollywood situation. Uh, no quick fix for Lego sales woes. That's what the CEO <laughs> laments. I only bring this up because, uh, and I've got kids, and <laughs> Legos are flipping expensive. So I don't know that my heart. Oh, you know, my heart bleeds for the Lego company. If your sales are down, how about you lower the price of these cheap little plastic blocks?
1: I'm I might have a gift for you. Oh, my wife really? has been on a massive cleaning deal, and up on the landing there's a big, about the size of that crib filled with Legos. Really?
0: Yeah. I'll, well, if I have I'll to take it, I will. see if she has somebody's
1: name on it. Otherwise... If
0: not, you might want to even take it to eBay. The, yeah. People are paying big money for really? Legos. But you should give them to me, and I'll take them to eBay. How about uh, Nerf weapons? Are you guys anti-supplied? Oh yeah. okay. Yes. No, we're always looking. Okay. You know. can never got. be too prepared, because when the Nerf zombie apocalypse That's has, right. happens, I want to have all my Nerf weapons ready to go. We've got some full auto. They're illegal. Don't let people know that we've <laughs> to, got them. But. Do they have the bump stock on That's them? right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're an 8-year-old, you can never have too many Lego bricks. If you're Lego, well, maybe you can have too many Lego bricks. Excess inventory is one reason the Lego group says it's now reporting for the first time in 13 years a drop in sales. And profits per the BBC. With too much of the previous year's product idling in warehouses, there wasn't enough room to get 2017 toys into the stores. And the toy trade is driven by nemes. wait, 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 wait. Let
1: me get this straight. Uh-huh. So it changes every year. It does. I don't know if you're aware of that. I was obviously not.
0: It's killing me. You know, I used to love to go in, and I, you know, I try to keep with all the kids I've got. I got to try to keep a budget of how much I can spend per year. Yeah. Per kid. And when one Lego set. Like the Avengers Lego set is 129 bucks. Christmas is about to yep. be pretty thin.
2: Here's your right? college.
0: Right here's your here's your gift this year. You know, <laughs> and how do you give somebody one gift? Yeah, Although especially it's one when they they're want, eight. Yeah, right. And uh, the the pricing on them are just. I can't believe Legos are that pricey. I don't. I know there's a licensing on a lot of these, so there's going to be some of that kick. There's going to be some of those different aspects of it, but I still can't wrap my head around why Legos, even the basic sets, are pretty yep. pricey. You know, I, it's. Your woes of, oh, we're just not selling enough. Make the prices available again. The parents can afford. Have a sale. Right. I can't believe somebody hasn't knocked off Lego um, properly yet. Right. I know there's been different companies that have come out with kind of iterations. Yeah. But it seems like it's easy enough that you could create something. And why why aren't these other versions taking off? Is, is, is it because of the, the – when I was a kid, I played with Legos.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they have a pretty good head start.
0: Right, so is that the deal? Well, I, they I have Lego Universe stores all over the right. place. But how come like Lincoln Logs doesn't have that same <laughs> prestige? Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> Lincoln Logs is really just an excuse to have something to throw at your younger cousin. <laughs> right. You never actually built anything. of no, them.
0: No, they just good projectiles. But you make that first cabin, and you're like, yeah, okay. All right. And and got now the can green make roof a on there. bigger cabin, and that's about the extent of that. Uh, it says here that... Uh, that the sales are down considerably, uh, revenues were down eight percent. Wow! Now, in, in the car industry, if sales are down eight percent, Doug, does that is that a big drop?
1: Well, it depends. For a dealer, it's not, but if you're Toyota or General Motors, eight percent is a lot. It's, really? Yeah, it's a million cars. You know? Oof. Yeah, I
0: guess that's a. Yeah, maybe it's not quite that many, but it's a lot. Oh, so you're lying to me? Is that the way this is no, going to go it's just, between us? No, I'm bad at math. Okay. Well, that's good. Can you help me with the the, the deal on my new car, though? Sure,
1: yeah. Monthly payment should be, uh, the way I got them figured, about $43.
0: Excellent. I'll yep. take it every, for the next 32 years. Every six days. The uh, Danish toy maker cut 1,400 jobs around the globe in September due to plummeting sales and profits, per the BBC. And there is no quick fix, LEGO CEO Niels Christensen says, noting the company will be striving instead for long-term growth. The Los Angeles Times reports. Too much inventory, though, may not be the only reason for flagging sales. Well, well I
1: did not know that Legos was a Danish company. Yeah. And they're probably a, as Katie Couric said, they're probably spending too much time skating around in the
0: That was <laughs> the Dutch. That's, oh, that's the right. Dutch. Yeah. I uh well again, I think it's pricing and, and kids are so into electronics now. Right, when you can when you can play games like um oh what's that game they're always building homes in and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I can't think of the word of it. Well, we'll take a break. Minecraft. With, with Minecraft. We've got more stories to share. We'll be back here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm
4: Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking, they always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, true north oral surgery and implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker Julie Marshall knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital and equipment loan or funds for expansion,
3: they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to reserve today. Space is limited, so don't delay. That's 855-555-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic.
2: These songs of freedom,
0: cause all I ever had Redemption songs. Tom Bernard Show. All right, Molina, what's the... Redemption. Redemption. Oh, I got that. Look at him go. He's so on top of it, Doug.
1: He is. He's a clever man. He is
0: a clever man. Using the music to connect us all. Mm-hmm. It's a musical thing. You were, we were talking about Immortal Beloved earlier. Uh, Amadeus. You know, I just watched a documentary on Netflix about celebrities that went too early. And I was watching... I, I see all these names, and it's, you know, Heath Ledger, yeah. and it's um it's uh, uh Judy Garland and people like that and then right in the middle of Falco. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a weird. So I watched it because I, first of all, I love rock me amadeus. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. It's a in Vienna calling that that, you know, that genre is right in my wheelhouse of music. So I watched it, but what a fascinating guy and a yeah. weird story on this guy and then to see, you know, his his musical authors saw the popularity of the movie Amadeus and decided, said, yeah, we should write like a kind of a rock rap song. Yeah. That'll be good. And, go uh, well. and, and it, it actually hit. did, which yeah. was odd. It, and they had two versions yeah. of it, the German and then the American uh, Americanized version of it, which was uh, pretty remarkable, but it's a, I love watching these biographies of, of, people that are, especially some of the more obscure that you just don't give the credit to, uh, for what they did. And, I, I was blown away to realize just how big this guy was over in austria and germany mm-hmm. and in in europe and now he when he landed here kind of with the whole rock Me Amadeus thing it exploded and he was the first german and austrian musician to ever hit the number one spot in the united states and then what did we do in retaliation we gave him david hasselhoff yeah that's right <laughs> so it all all kind of comes back in the wash don't you think Weird stuff. Uh, we are also talking about some improprieties. Steve Wynn is back in the news.
1: Oh, no. You know... What did he do this time?
0: This is just a weird story. There's a suit alleging that uh, Wynn misbehaved improperly during manicures. What? Right. <laughs> she alleges Wynn would place the hand being manicured over his genitals. A woman uh, who says she regularly performed manicures on embattled casino mogul Steve Wynn Tuesday filed a lawsuit accusing him of sexual misconduct and the company he founded of endorsing this behavior. The unnamed manicurist is the latest woman to uh, level accusations against the billionaire who resigned as chairman and CEO of the Wynn Resorts last month. According to the lawsuit filed in state court in Las Vegas, Wynn would uh, place the hand that was being manicured over his genitals, making her contact the genitals through his pants. She alleges Wynne would get angry or agitated if she objected or tried to remove his or her hand from his genitals. During manicures, Wynne would demand that the plaintiff would sit close and intertwine their legs so that the plaintiff's knee was touching Win's crotch, according to the lawsuit, per the AP. So... You're a billionaire, right? Yeah, oh, a multi-billionaire. Yeah. You know, you're you're doing all these other stupid things. The manicurist, not that not it. that the other ones are acceptable and understandable, but it just seems like at what level is the uh-uh that's wrong?
1: It's all about, node it, kick in. I think the mistake people try they try to make it a sexual thing, and it's really all about power.
0: I mean, it's Is that what you think
1: it is? I well, if Steve Wynn wanted to get laid, he owns all these hotels in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> How hard would it be? Yeah. (laughs) They're on speed dial, for
0: crying out loud. Right. Yeah. You could go out on the streets and hear the cards snapping at you. The woman who is still employed with Wynn Resorts said she became a regular manicurist for Wynn back in 2015. She said she reported Wynn's behavior to salon manager director Claude Baruch, who was ignored... Uh, But was ignored or casually just dismissed. She alleges she also reported it to her supervisor and upper management. The suit also alleges that Wynn Resorts management later indicated to her that the complaints had been taken to the highest levels of the company and that nothing would be done to change Wynn's behavior. The suit also describes some of the actions Wynn allegedly took in the days after the Wall Street Journal's story on the allegations was published. It states that on February 1st, Wynn showed up with the audiovisual personnel during a celebration for a salon staffer and demanded that all employees record a video stating he had never assaulted them. I think they might I think protest he's in a, a little trouble. Too much. Yeah.
1: Well, he's not the CEO anymore, right? Didn't he? No, he stepped step down.
0: down. Yeah, he stepped down from all of that. You distance yourself quick from the company, right? That way, hopefully, they look at it two different.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. Is is that publicly held? It must be. I don't know. I would have to look it up.
0: He's. Uh, yeah, well, you're right though. It, it must be a power thing. Although yeah. I remember, well, I went to college at Winona State. All right. Well, let's just say I went to Winona and right. sometimes went to school. And there happened uh, to be a college there, there right?
1: that you'd stop by to visit.
0: Uh, but there was a hair salon. Um, when I had hair, yeah. I would go in and get my hair cut. Right. And all of a sudden, it was like the hottest. It was right across the street from the bar that I was a bouncer at. Mm -hmm. And it was like the hottest hair salon. And I couldn't figure out why there was always a line. So I went over there and found out why there was a line. (laughs) They would have these girls, very sexy college, you know, co ed kind of girls or uh, whatever. But when they would cut your hair, they would stand kind of straddling one of your legs while Uh they cut your hair. So their body parts were right up in your face you know, they'd be doing what they're doing to cut your hair and everything. And it was just, I, I, I did it once and felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> it, never it's went back not in. a
1: Minnesota thing for sure. No, I was
0: like, well, I'm from Chicago, yeah, so it yeah, should have been right. my, my roundhouse, but I walked into that and I was like, okay, I, I understand why this has suddenly become a very popular hotspot, especially in a college town. But I thought, what a bizarre way to build a business to basically, you know, they're, they're, well, what's the training program look like? I don't know. I don't know. And it was, it, Certainly played into a, a niche market, that's for sure. But I, you know, I mean, I don't think it lasted more than a year or two, and then they folded up. Which Good no, playing boy, with your dinghy. <laughs> you would think that that just would be a bad plan altogether. If yeah, you've got, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was that was kind of the big uh, the the big thing that was going around. But like I said, you'd go in and you. – I don't know. I just felt. It felt. It made you just feel like, what about, what, what's going on here? Is yeah. this, is this, and I know then you, exactly I spend so about. much time averting the eyes and trying to look around, and she's like, oh, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, fine, you know? Uh, but it's weird how. I think sells.
1: this is weird, but I've, I've never gone to Hooters for that very reason. That just what, seems to get a like haircut? a
0: weird thing. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean. They have great wings at Hooters. Don't discount that. Okay.
1: My
5: grandma loved the wings at Hooters. Right?
0: They do have fantastic wings. Once very... you can get past the trashy outfit stuff, <sighs> unbelievable.
5: I have a friend that worked there in high school.
0: Did you oh, really? And
5: I found out through Facebook. She was like one of my very close friends who's a bridesmaid at my wedding. And she never told me about it, but I found out through Facebook and she's like. I thought that you'd be ashamed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alex joining us in studio now. Yeah, that's. Uh, but again, there was a, a position I was just mentioning to Doug that when I went to college at Winona State, they had a hair salon where the girls would basically st- straddle your one leg while they were cutting your hair. So they were very intimate with you. They were very in your space. And it was they had lines out the door. And I was I worked across the street. I'm like I gotta go get a haircut anyway. I gotta find out why this place is hopping. Yeah. And but you did pay a premium. This was back in 8990 mm-hmm. and it was 15 bucks a haircut. Yeah, oh, wow. And that you know today in, yeah. in standards that's nothing but yeah. back in 88 you know that was like double <laughs> double yeah. the haircut cost at a fantastic Sams.
5: It is ridiculous the business models that they turn into like sex related things. Like there's a place in Florida called Scoops and it's a soft serve ice cream place. And it's like all everybody's all booby all booby huh? <laughs> i'm like soft serve sort of ice cream really? and like the sign is like two ice cream scoops with two cherries like, it's yeah it's so mm. bad i'm like really ice cream okay whatever
0: sexualizing ice cream like yeah. you need help selling ice yeah, cream really? yeah, it's right? actually yeah. I mean, in florida
5: yeah. if you're having trouble selling ice cream in florida yeah you have other issues uh,
0: yeah i think that's the point where you're just like you know i think we're this might be overboard let's uh, yeah,
1: yeah i mean it's a very hot state populated by people with no teeth right yeah well what are your other options yeah. i don't
0: know there's uh well you know you've got places like but here's on the other side right I'm a guy. I admit that you have certain things that you're attracted to. The, the, the Tilted Kilt. Have you ever seen those bars? No.
5: Yeah. So JB's talked about them before. Right.
0: It, but yeah. it's something. And I think what they're tapping into is it's kind of that uh, Britney Spears naughty... Schoolgirl look. So is it a franchise? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah the the tilted kilt. But uh, it's it's not in the same vein as Hooters, but it kind of is. They don't seem to be sexualizing it as much. Have they come to Dakota County yet, Dave? Uh, I think there's a tilted kilt in Minnesota. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't, don't know. know. Mike, do you know? What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's too busy checking out internet porn to pay attention. Uh, the tilted kilt. Do they have one of those here in Minnesota? I have no idea what that is. Okay. Oh, I think he's being a little too innocent over there. No. What is it? It's uh, it's like a, a Hootersy kind of restaurant, but the girls wear little kilts and that.
5: Uh, JB's it, talked about it uh, a handful of times. Yeah,
0: it's got to be. They've got to have one here in <laughs> so the Twin have, Cities.
5: They have them in Missouri because that's where he's from. I think they have one in Chicago. I don't know if they have one here.
0: Uh, I have no idea. uh, Here's a good story for you, Doug. I don't you like this one. Lamar Chambers fought the law, and the law came in number two. All over some number two. The BBC reports Pooh Watch has officially ended in the U.K. with a 24-year-old being released on Monday after 47 days in custody in which he refused to poop. Chambers was arrested in Essex on January 17th. How do you just refuse? You can for refuse how, to eat. For how many 47 times? days.
5: Okay. If I don't go in like two days, I'm like, I need to go
0: to the hospital. Right. Well, <laughs> and some, it's not even your choice, right? Yeah, I mean, right. you go two oh, days no. and things are coming. You on clearly have not
5: potty trained a toddler. With well, how many children you have, I, it's surprising that you don't know how long someone can hold their
0: poop. Right, but that's usually because of the, the stuff they're eating, and it's just their, their no. body's not processing. No. Well, you, like, you feed healthy food, so that's yeah. going to clog them up.
5: No. You that makes, a it Big it makes
0: it Big Mac brings it, worse. it right through. That,
5: yes. <laughs> that makes you. Everything that I feed fun makes her poop. She poops so much. It's ridiculous. But my niece, her parents went out of town for like seven days, didn't poop the whole time. She was just like, no.
0: How do you not poop?
5: She's four years old.
0: Is that just a... I didn't understand pooping was a conscious choice. I kind of felt that was something when your body wants it out, it goes.
5: Strong-willed situation. I don't know, but that's a long.
1: Can't thing. be
0: good for you. He was no. arrested in Essex on January 17th. The police suspected the alleged drug dealer had swallowed his stash and decided to wait him out. It didn't work. After what Sky News reports was seven court hearings in which police sought custody extensions and even though Chambers ate and drank daily, prosecutors decided to drop the charges possession with intent to supply against him due to insufficient evidence though he was then rearrested by police on different drug charges suspicion of being concerned in the uh, concern in the supply he was released on bail chambers was then taken to the hospital and treated the bbc reports it's believed to be the longest anyone in custody has ever gone without pooping
5: why would you not like what
0: well, I guess what? if you're trying to hide the drugs he had that you drugs ate, drugs in them, they were waiting for him to expel them, so he could arrest them. You would think that the body would have worked through the baggie right, in 47 days. Of, yeah. yeah, I
5: was gonna say, and he
0: would have absorbed the drugs like, and like, died.
5: Did he go into some sort of the like, shock or something by being so horribly backed up. I don't know. Because Yeesh. kids, if you don't, if
1: I like, think we need to get to the bottom, <laughs> bottom of this. Sorry. Good God. It was laying right there.
5: Kids, if they don't poop in, f- it's like five days if they don't hold it. Like, while well, you're, po- I'm potty training Fawn right now, so I'm like in the middle of all this. But um, if they don't poop for five days, you're supposed to take them to their pediatrician. They're supposed to get like an enema. Really? Yeah.
0: Hmm. It's never happened. Or a that suppository, problem. not an enema. A suppository. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Because it's not healthy. How is this person, I. this is confusing to me. They should have just given him a suppository. Wow. Well, Can't they do that?
0: Well, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't think you can. Keeping it classy.
1: You. There
0: goes the listener.
5: There goes goes me. No, my wife's still tuning in. I'm leaving. It's
0: like my daughter was very sick. She was uh, little and she kept throwing up, so she couldn't keep medicine down. So we had to give her the suppository Mm -hmm. version. And we're at the, the store, and she's in the cart. That uh, we're going down the medicine aisle, and she starts howling, no, please, Daddy, don't put anything more in my butt. And she's yelling at them, oh, man, How do you, you can't overcome that deal. No, you no, can't. Once that's been thrown out there, there's kind of no coming back from that comment. Well, my father did the
1: opposite thing when he was on a trip in France. What's that? Went to get cold medicine and didn't realize that's the French way. They
0: give suppositories oh, that commonly for cold. I nose. did not know that.
1: Well, he didn't well, either. Well, it's a
0: quicker absorption, <laughs> right?
1: right? Suppositories. But they don't taste very good apparently.
5: <laughs> suppositories?
1: My dad had yeah. a cold when he was in France, and he went to a drugstore to get some medicine oh, for it, and they he said, did. "Here." And he didn't
0: realize And he thought it was just, "Boy, that's a weird-shaped capsule to swallow, <laughs> yeah. huh?" <Ugh>. Oof. <laughs> Processing. Fun stuff. He uh, taught at Harvard, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> really? Eh. I believe it. He's focused on other things, right. Doug. The intelligence yeah. uh, factor is really focused and home. Yeah. We're
5: all human. We all make dumb mistakes.
0: Finish first. Winning changes everything. Scott Hamilton will be our guest in the next segment on the show today. Tom, we'll be back with you guys on Monday. I'm taking the reins today, tomorrow, and Friday. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Tom Bernard Show.
3: Just like all of you, I had been here up my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first My Pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic! Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My Pillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium My Pillows and two Go Anywhere Pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first My Pillow. If you already know how great the My Pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM.
0: We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I've been excited about this. I can tell. Yeah. Well, especially my wife. She's uh, you know a a figure skater growing up her whole life. And uh, anytime she talks to me, it's about how she met Scott Hamilton. She saw Scott Hamilton, Scott Hamilton, Scott Hamilton. I feel like I'm in competition with Scott Hamilton, but now I get to talk to him. He's got a brand new book out called Finish First, which he does in my house. Winning changes everything. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today.
4: Well, thank you. This is awesome. That's
0: funny. It's it's great to have you here. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. My wife is uh, a huge fan, and uh, as am I. It's it's just great to uh, chat with you. And I love the fact that in the write-up about your book, it said, in today's society, competition has gotten a bad rap. It's commonplace now for everyone on the football field or on the basketball court to receive a trophy just for participating. No winners or losers, And in uh, reality, competitiveness itself is not a negative trait, but learning how to win takes some practice. And I'm glad that you bring that that up. I mean, do you think that we're doing a disservice to the youth nowadays being overly protective of their, you know, ability to feel like a winner?
4: Well, I I do think, you know, it's it's just part of the, you know, kind of the big picture. It it just feels like, you know, um, we do all we can to spare people from, you know, the the experience of losing, and, you know, I really, I spend a lot of time in the book talking about how wonderful and how incredibly important losing is, and how competition is actually, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's actually, you know, beating somebody is might be the greatest, best thing you can do for them, you know, because it ignites a greater passion, a greater commitment, a greater... Um, understanding of where they are in their journey, and, and it's really important. I think com- competition is good. I think competition is something that we all kind of naturally want to do, anyway. And I just feel like, um, it, it, when, in you know, kind of wanting to spread this message, it just you know felt like a book was the best way to do it because it goes into all different aspects of how we can really just take whoever we are as people. And it's not just about, you know, finishing first doesn't mean that you have to go out and you have to, you know, get into a formal competition. It's about um, finding, you know, what you want to pursue, finding what your purpose is and what your identity is, and then really just taking that to a level uh, that you may never have thought you could before. It, it's a practice of, you know, how do you become an Olympic champion? Well, you hear the hear – the, um, kind of the steps to do that well how do you become good at anything well here are the steps to do that and so you know sometimes it's just easier to read and apply than it is to kind of try to you know conjure all this stuff up on our own and and it really is um i'm really proud of it i think it um it, it tells the the tale correctly and simply and in ways that's easier to understand and, and it offers a great deal of perspective as well
0: Do you think, Scott, that, you know, I'm a a father, I've got kids that have been involved in sports, and I've seen the rise of the participation ribbons and awards, and I wonder if this is more along the lines of the league's way to disorient the parents, because, and here's why, because and I know you've seen it, I mean, and it it was featured very prominently in the new movie I, Tanya, right, that sometimes Mm -hmm. it was the parents' overzealous nature that made competition and winning not something to strive for but something that if you didn't do you were berated and made to feel horrible by the people you're supposed to trust and believe in and love the most
4: and and you know and that's you know i i don't even know how to address that you know because that's just child abuse <laughs> you know, it's just, right. that's a, a big problem like with my son i'll give you an example you know he just started playing hockey this last year and he's in a youth league and and it's basic hockey, right? It's just basic. But he you know, he loves the national predators and he loves to go to the games and he loves sports and he loves everything that goes with it. And he went out and he played his first game and he and he lost and he came he got in the car and he was really upset, you know, and as a parent, of course, it doesn't that doesn't make me happy, you know, to see my son so upset and so, you know, defeated and I and I said, Well, you know, how do you feel? And he goes, I'm just mad. I just and like I didn't like the the game. I didn't like the way they played. I didn't like, you know. I go well. well what, what do you think? I mean, do you, what do you need? To, what, what did you learn? What do, you, do you think you need to do something different? He goes, well, yeah. I mean, I need to skate faster and better, and I need to be able to, you know, work on my stick handling because I, you know, they they took the puck away from me way too easy, and then my shot isn't very strong. I need to work on my shot. And I just said, i oh, great. Wow, that's impressive. And I said, what would you have learned if you won? And he goes. I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> so it's like that's it. You know what I mean? That, that's it. And you know, you know I tell my kids all the time, you know, we just got to and I don't I have no idea what my kids journey is. I don't I don't I mean, but I want to teach them how to go after things and how to process failure and how to you know, rise up because we don't know what life is going to, you know, what how it's going to happen, you know? I, I I I've been through cancer, loss of parents. I've been through a lot of things that our life experiences that happen to so many people and and it's not so much that i I feel badly about all of that I, i miss my parents every day but what have i learned and how can i allow that to you know propel me forward and how can i um you know understand resilience and understand just how um you know we are wired for this we're wired for struggle we're wired for challenge and and I think a lot of people sell themselves short because they just don't feel like they really want to go in and participate at, at any level. And, and my encouragement to them all is to say that, you know, we've got something that we need to be doing. We've got something that will bring our lives great quality and incredible joy. Let's do it. Let's just, you know, let's identify our purpose, identify what would, you know, be our great goal or something that would make us happy. and. And then here's the steps to go after it. Here's some encouragement. And it's more than encouragement. It's actually, you know, here's here's kind of how to do it.
0: <laughs> you know? You know, do, you, do you mind if stop? I ask, Scott? I mean, the book Are is you? fascinating, and I, I love the, the points that you're laying out on this. But just from a, a an observer standpoint, I'm curious, when your son wants to play hockey, all of a sudden your, your son is going to be somebody representing on the ice doing this. Was there ever a moment of, you know, maybe we should focus on soccer or baseball just so that there's not that – there's not that, uh, uh, oh, you're Scott Hamilton's son, or you're not living up to what Scott Hamilton could do on the ice kind of. I mean, was there ever any of that perspective where you were concerned that if your kids follow in that vein, it's going to be under a shadow that may be incredibly hard to get past?
4: Well, and when it, if it were figure skating, absolutely. And I our process know, that in a way that, I want my kids to have their own journey, and if they go into the same sport that I did, they're going to have to hear about their dad every day in a very small and very tight community. And I just didn't, I, you know, I kind of dreaded that. And then I thought, well, who am I? You know, I mean, this is their adventure. You know, they, they need to go about it their own way. And, and if they love to do something, you know, how, how can I ever take that away from them? Mm-hmm. So whatever they want to pursue, however they want to pursue it, and honestly, my youngest, Max, who's a hockey player, He's kind of the unofficial, self-appointed mayor of my skating academy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he loves the rink. He loves everything about the rink. And his best buddies at school are all on the Junior preds, you know, kind of uh, travel team. And he aspires to be like them. He wants to be like his buddies. He wants to go on travel teams with his buddies. And he wants to play with his buddies. You know, he wants to do all that. So he's kind of motivated to skate, to get better, to, you know, do whatever he needs to do in order to improve as quickly as you possibly can. So, you know, the incentive is, you know, kind of more out of, you know, peer pressure than it is out of, you know, any other situation. And, and honestly, he loves it. So if that's what he wants to do, I'm all in. I'll support him
0: 100%. Let me ask you this. You, you uh, face a couple of points in the book that are really important to, you know, a lot of people today, and especially with kind of in the generation we're raising now, are unsure how to fail. And not sure where to go from there and sometimes they buy into the fact that the failure is what defines who they are and how they're looked upon I mean you've had thousands of falls you've lost you've had cancer you've had bouts with brain tumors what is that getting up that that kind of overcoming taught you and and how do you keep motivated to keep pushing against sometimes what seems like insurmountable odds
4: you know, it's just a muscle. I think you build like anything else. The more you do anything, the more the stronger you get in the activity, whatever it is. And I think with me, it's just I failed profoundly in skating. Whether it be failing the different tests that you need to advance in the sport, or um, falling five times in front of you know seventeen thousand people at my first national championship, you on the novice level, and coming in dead last. Like if they were, if they could have put me below last. <laughs> they would have done that, but you know, I think a lot of people just they fear failure. And like, no matter where I, where I go, what no matter what I do, you know, if, if I'm speaking to a group of executives, you know, at a conference, I say, "How many people in this room have failed?" One hundred percent of the people raise their hand. Cool. And I'm, I'm here to say that, you know, failure isn't the villain here. You know, it's it's the the fear of failure is the villain it's like failure teaches us how to be more resilient failure is something that happened It's in the rearview mirror you know i just kind of almost tell people that if you're in a car and you experience failure just rip the rearview mirror off and throw it in the back seat and just keep going forward you know it's something that happened it's something in the past if, if we can use it to um properly apply to our future and learn from it then that's the best and and you know that's the greatest thing about failure is every success is built on a mountain of failure and you know every success is also built on a million small 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 successes and so it's getting on that path to being more productive more um, more joyful in life more productive in life more active and, and doing things that you can really look back on it and say wow I, I truly participated I, I rose above all my fears my critics my, my past failures and, and now I'm doing something, you know, that brings me incredible joy.
0: How do how do you think parents and I know time's moving on us quickly here, but how do you think parents should talk to their kids about this topic? What's the best way to broach this subject and not feel it make it feel preachy?
4: Well and again I just you know I just think what what do we learn here? You know, what have we experienced, what have we learned? How do how do we grow? How do we get past this? And and not give it any importance, you know, and I I look at um you know, it if you lose a game, it's like, well, what do you learn? You know, what do you need to do? How do you, how do you fix this? You know, how do you move forward? And it's just a conversation. It's, um, it's just about you know engaging their minds, their brains, their, um, their their psyches, their sensitivities to be able to say, okay, yeah, I can do that better. I can instead of you know going this way, I can go that way. Instead of doing it like I've always done it, maybe I can. Um, you know, develop a new skill set that will allow me to do something that I, you know, I really want to do and do it better. And it's, it's healthier to look at things that way. And it's not just preachy. I mean, it's just like, well, what makes the most logical sense, (laughs) you know, doesn't make any sense to just quit. It just, it's all about, you know, really moving forward and, and, you know, creating joy in our lives. And once we're able to process failure, my goodness, there's nothing that we won't go after. There's nothing that we can't do. And and you know if if uh, success had a um, a formula or a, a yeah if, if, if the biggest single ingredient would be failure. Honestly, hundred percent. And so I you know I try to encourage people just to you know give failure a different identity. And now what? You know there's nothing you can't do.
0: Right. That's a powerful statement in itself, right? I mean the fact that it's how you look at the things that go on in your life. If you look at failure as something that beat you, you're done. If you look at failure as something that now is reaching down to lift you back up and teach you from what you just, you know, experienced, that's how you keep moving in this life.
4: And and that's that's it. I mean, we learn to do everything. You know, a lot of us don't remember learning how to walk, but how many times did we fall down learning how to walk? And now we don't even think about it anymore. We don't think about any one of those falls. You know, I look at you know all the things that I learned skating and falling down and falling down and trying to learn a different um, you know a, a new move. You know, maybe something that will take me to the next level in skating. And, and there it comes with hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands of falls. You know, just to get that skill. And my goodness, you know, it it does build you up in a sense where. Now, it's like, here's, here's your situation, you have cancer, and the fear is extraordinary. But then you kind of are able to break it down and say, well, it's a process. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end to this. And I hope that at the end of this is really something that where I can get back to my life and appreciate it more than I ever did. But it, it's, it's a process, and everything is a process. Right. And everything, you know, takes participation. And, you know, dedication, understanding. And you can't really understand something if you're not really willing to fail. And, and you know, nothing is easy. Everything Amen. takes effort and everything takes practice and everything takes um, learning. And you can't learn unless you're willing to fail. That's why I always joke with people if they're you know, at the skating academy and they come up to me and they go, I didn't fall once today. And I go, you didn't try hard enough.
0: finish first winning changes everything scott thank you and thank you for writing this book and giving a new perspective on what failure is we appreciate it and keep doing the great work you're doing stay tuned we've got more coming your way i'm dave schrader this is the tom bernard show